We believe in a generous God. And as I thought about where we're going this morning, I wanted to paint a picture. I want you to imagine that you came to my house in the middle of the summer. You had a lot of yard work to do at your house and you were a bit overwhelmed. And you said, Pastor Scott, I need some help. I need some help getting the lawn mowed, pruning the trees. Could you help me? And I said, I could do better than than that. I I got an idea. I got my boy, Jaden. He's seven. Evan's a little bit young yet. He's only four. Why don't you take Jaden for a couple weeks? (laughs) And whatever you need done in your yard, he'll do it for you. (laughs) Okay, so... Jaden goes to your house and, and he's helping you out in the backyard. But then you come to realize that you need some equipment. And, and you come back to my house and you say, you know what, I forgot that, that we needed a lawnmower. Could we borrow your lawnmower? And I'm like, no, that lawnmower is my first lawn, lawnmower that I've ever bought with our first home. I've got special memories pushing that around the backyard. You can't have my lawnmower. Well, what about the tree pruners? No, every time someone uses them, I got to clean them and oil them. You can't have those. Well, what about the weed whacker? No, every time that runs out of the, the cord, you have to wind that back up. And I don't even know how, which I'm embarrassed to. So I always have to ask Carolyn to, to put that back in. So, no, you can't use those things. It would be ridiculous. Because why? I, I gave you my, my son, okay? My precious son, the, one of the loves of my heart. I gave him to you. doesn't make sense that I would withhold a lawnmower or clippers or a weed whacker, does it? No. You know what the Bible says about God? It said, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? You look at the message of Christmas that God would send his only son into this sinful world on a rescue mission. The point of this verse is he's certainly not going to hold anything good that you need in your life. Another verse puts it this way. Jesus himself said, Matthew chapter 7 Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? One more, Ephesians 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. In Christ. Do you believe in a generous God? I thought about how we view God. And a Christmas carol is fresh in my mind because we went Friday night over to Trinity Christian School with our family and they did a wonderful production of a Christmas carol. The, the time told story of Ebenezer Scrooge. And I think there are some people, maybe even in this room, that after that initial gift of grace from God, you've slipped back into believing that God now treats you like Ebenezer Scrooge treated people at the beginning of that play. Like God's holding out on me. 
He's kind of a miser. He doesn't really want me to be blessed. He, he's holding on to things that I need. Passages we just looked at say that's not the, the God that we serve. A more accurate picture would be Ebenezer Scrooge at the end of the play, right? You need a turkey? Here's a turkey. Taking care of the poor, the least of these. I don't know if he would be given belly farts like in the Bill Murray version. <laughs> Although, maybe Jesus would. He said, let the little children come to me. I, I'm not sure. But he's got that joyful, generous spirit about him. Some of us have gone too far and got a warped view of God's generosity. We, we view God almost like Santa Claus. Where anything I put on that list, I can have. So I want a brand new car tomorrow. I just pray for it, have faith, and boom, there it is. Some of us think we would like God to be like Santa Claus, but I want to tell you something. You know what Santa Claus bases his gifts on? Whether you've been naughty or nice. You, th you worried about the NSA spying on you, this old Santa Claus legend. I mean, apparently he knows everything you've done, naughty or nice, and that's what's based on, that's how you determine what you get. We do not want God to treat us that way. Because while what defines naughty and nice for Santa Claus may be pretty nebulous, God's list is not nebulous as to what makes us naughty or nice. His word says, all fall short of the glory of God and that the wages of sin is death. If God is like Santa Claus, when he comes with this big red bag, that red bag holds judgment, pain, separation from God for eternity. We do not want God to be like Santa Claus. We want God to be like God. And you say, well, how do I experience that? How do I know that in my life? Well, well, you know it when you encounter it firsthand through a relationship where you experience Him. Psalm 34, 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him. It's only when you experience God, you taste and see that He's good, that you begin to know this in your life. But this taste and see that the Lord is good is not like the taste and see at Costco, where you grab one and... Uh, I'm not sure I like that one. I'm not getting that one. The, the taste and see that the Lord is good only comes when we put our faith in God through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross and the resurrection. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, not just that, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You don't taste and see that the Lord is good until you take that step of faith and trust in Him. And some may say, that's asking an awful lot to take a step of faith and put my trust in this God. I don't think it's asking a lot at all when you look at the steps He's taken towards us. When you think about the fact that He sent His Son into this sinful world, that He died the death we deserve to die, and He rose again for you, for God to ask you to put your faith in Him, it's pretty small potatoes. You have faith and you experience them. And I want to tell you two way, uh, four ways excuse me, that we see God's generosity in the Bible. One is that He gives us power. How many of you feel tired today, this time of year, honestly? 
this time of year wears me out, man. <laughs> There's a lot of days where I wish I could sleep three more hours. And I feel like even if I did, I'd still be tired. I, I can't even meet all the normal expectations for the holiday. How, how in the world can I go about this mission of take, taking the message of salvation to people? Acts 1.8, he said to his early disciples before he ascended, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You need power for the mission God's given you this season and beyond. He's given it to all who believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. What about wisdom? How many of you, when you come to the holidays, know that you're going to be entering into some tricky meal situations with some people in your family that relationships are maybe kind of tense or broken. And every year you get together and you're like, how do I navigate my way through this? Maybe some of them believe in Jesus, but you're at odds with, with each other. Maybe some of them don't and, and they mock you because of where you come from or they judge you because of your faith. God, how do I navigate this? He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. Here's that requirement of faith again. When you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. He gives us power. He gives us wisdom. He gives us comfort. I also know that holidays are one of the hardest times of the year for those who've walked through trials in the previous year. Maybe say goodbye to loved ones who fought disease or passed away some other way. He promises comfort to us. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Finally, even when it comes to our finances... Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8, he's, he's in the context of talking to this church about collecting a financial gift to take to the poor saints in Jerusalem. And he says to them, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. I heard a message online from my father-in-law in Ohio at his church, Westlake Bible Fellowship. He shared about a garden in their backyard that they used to plant and they'd go out there and, and find lettuce and tomatoes after they planted the seeds. He said, imagine, he said, I haven't planted a seed in there in years. How, how ridiculous would it be for me to go back there now and where's the lettuce? Where's the tomato? He said, I haven't planted a seed. I shouldn't expect a harvest. Paul says, whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver because that's just what He is. He's a cheerful giver. And God is able, listen, here's the promise. God is able to bless you abundantly. Listen to all the alls in this. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God is a generous God. And as we close today, I want to put that question back up there. 
And there's a million ways I could have made two or three specific applications that we need to go out and carry out. Talking to a friend of mine about preaching a couple weeks ago and we got on the conversation. He reminded me that it's the Holy Spirit that makes the best applications to our hearts. So I'm just going to leave this question up here for a moment. Do you believe in a generous God? And I want you to close your eyes just between you and God and wrestle with that question. God, do I believe you are generous? In my heart of hearts, do I believe you're a generous God? If I do believe that, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do about it? What are you leading me to? If I don't believe it, how did I get here? Because your word obviously says you are. Is there anything I need to confess? Is there a statement of faith I need to make in you? Maybe you're here and this message of Christmas is a little bit foreign to you and you're hearing about this generous God and you're saying, I want a relationship with Him. For you, it's taking the step of, Father, I believe you sent your Son. I believe He died and rose again for me. I accept that generous gift to make me right with you. Just listen for a moment. Do you believe in a generous God? Father, we thank you for your word, which confirms that you are indeed a generous God, far beyond our wildest imaginations. Help us to live in faith, believing that you have our best in mind as your children. Not always what we want, but what we need. And we can put our trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.